Good morning and happy Mother's Day. And welcome to the Church of the Holy Spirit for Sunday Mass on this fifth Sunday of Easter. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Father. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary of a Virgin, 
all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie Let's pray. Almighty, ever-living God, constantly accomplish the Paschal mystery within us, that those you were pleased to make new in holy baptism may under your protective care bear much fruit and come to the joys of life eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. As the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the 12 called together the community of the disciples and said, it is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, 
select from among you seven reputable men, filled with the spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community, so they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. Even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, come to him, a living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God, and, like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore, its value is for you who have faith, but for those without faith, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word, as is their destiny. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. According to John. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him, and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe because of the works themselves. 
Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The psalm today is number 33. I'm going to go through the psalm a little bit and then come back to the gospel a little bit and finish up with the psalm. One of the lines in the psalm, the fifth line of the psalm, is talking about a cry of victory. And it's, it's make a new song or make sweet music your cry of victory. Cry of victory. So this is... Uh, loaded sentence, uh, a new song or sweet music sometimes, uh, and cry of victory. Cry of victory is a term that we can find in the scriptures and other places. And the cry of victory is something that the Israeli army does before it goes into battle. So a lot of the psalms are written by David, and this cry of victory is an important thing for him because he was a warrior. He was the, essentially the general, main general, king general of Israel. And before that, he was uh, the greatest soldier underneath the other king, King Saul, son of Kish. So this cry of victory is also maybe David's first experience of Israel as a warring country. Maybe, I don't know, they're at war a lot. So maybe as a boy, he had seen the soldiers passing through or something like that. But he is the youngest of a large family and you remember Samuel the prophet goes to his dad's house Jesse and he wants to see Jesse's sons and Jesse brings his sons in and uh, the older ones look impressive and there's this change happening in the kingdom of Israel because Saul son of Kish was this super tall person a head taller than everyone else from the tribe of Benjamin and he's changing now to the tribe of Judah and he's also changing the look so he doesn't want these older sons that look strong and impressive. He says, none of these are what I'm looking for. Do you have any other sons? And David comes in from the field and he sees David and says, you are to be anointed the next king of Israel. He pours his oil on David's head. David becomes king. Uh, Saul is still in the seat of the king and there's this friction for that from that. So once David is anointed quickly after this scene, he goes to... Israel's camp who is fighting the Philistines and uh, it's right before a battle is about to start and this is the scene with Goliath that we're familiar with with David and he comes into the camp and what's happening is they're lining up and they're starting the cry of victory so it's some sort of ritual where they're praising God and asking for strength from God so it's almost like a liturgical action it's this prayer, and it's this song, and it's also a song that's, I think, supposed to get them uh, amped up to ready to, be, to go into battle. So it's both like a psychological thing for them, but also a spiritual thing to remember it's coming from God, and they're in God's hands, and their God is the most powerful God. Uh, after that, David, we know, volunteers and goes and kills Goliath. 
So this, this cry of victory is probably uh, something that David ended up starting as he became a leader in the army and is something that he is very familiar with. So David is this warrior, and then David is also this person that's doing and writing all these psalms, uh, and he, he plays the harp. Or in the psalm today we heard the instrument is a lyre or a ten-string harp. So it's like a mini harp, ten strings, ten-string harp. And uh, David makes all these different songs. And one of the really unique and beautiful things about the psalms is that the psalms are incorporating everyday life and this kind of like transcendent God who we can't really see, whose presence is known in the Ark of the Covenant, who's done these things with Israel, who has this incredible relationship with Israel, but is something totally different and separate. And, and the Psalms really bridge our concrete human reality and the created emotions and feelings we have with this unchanging, perfect, but somewhat removed God. And he does it through writing these songs where he's processing different emotions. So one of the things that he brings into it is war. Uh, for Israel, bringing war into their prayer is not a weird thing because they're a warring state. So he has this experience of this cry of victory, which is uh, before the battle, and he brings it into and references it in the psalm. And this is, I think, a really interesting thing about how Jewish prayer and Christian prayer works too. We have basically a prayer that kind of came from God and we kind of developed and we bring it into our daily actions and as we're praying that prayer those words take on new meaning for us and then we recycle it back into uh, a new prayer so like we have this relationship with God and we take these words that we kind of feel we get from God and we take them into our normal everyday life and we say these words at different times. We say certain prayers at certain times. We have different devotions. And then as we say those devotions in certain instances of our life, we start to have emotional attachment to those and also maybe develop some of the words. So we start to develop our own words in a devotion or prayer that we have. And we bring that back into the kind of like our abstract prayer time. And it's bridging these two things that are separate. So with this psalm, uh, we have a bridging that's happening too, because Psalm 33 is among a couple psalms which are talking about Israel being the channel in which all the other kings and nations reach God. And this is a, a concept that's not hit on a lot in the Old Testament, but, but comes in spurts sometimes. So a lot of times we think of Israel, when we're reading the scriptures, it explicitly says Israel is set apart and Israel is holy and Israel has a special contract with God, which is the contract that came through Moses. It has this Levitical law. It has these priests. It has all these rituals. And they're not really supposed to intermix or take any culture or any religious practices from other religions. In fact, people get punished or people die or people get stoned when they start to bring in other religious practices or they start to, uh, a lot of the kings get critiqued because they start to marry women from other religions and it allows kind of a cross-cultural, cross-pollination type thing to happen in Israel. And Israel is supposed to stay unique and set apart. And then we'll have these spurts of biblical wisdom that come in during the Old Testament that's saying 
Israel is set apart, yes, but it's also supposed to be this channel so that other nations can come to God and come to know who God is. We see that there's pilgrimages. People take pilgrimages to Israel. People, historians have written about this temple in Israel that's this unique thing and totally different. And they were hosted by the, the king of Judah or the king of Israel. The queen of Sheba is probably one of the most famous visitors that is amazed at King Solomon, David's son, and is amazed at the temple and what it looks like. And it uh, changes her perspective of God and changes her perspective of Israel and brings her closer to God. So we have something similar happening today in the gospel as well. We have Jesus is on his way to the cross more or less, closer to the end of the gospel of John, and he's giving his apostles reassurance and saying, my father's house has many dwelling places. And to relax, I'm going somewhere and you can come with me and there's room for you. Just relax. Uh, this is, we're about to go through something difficult. And he says, if it wasn't like this, I wouldn't tell you it. And I'm telling you now I'm going to go to my father and then I'm going to come back. And there's some confusion. And two of the apostles kind of want clarification because Jesus is saying some difficult things. And we have first the question by Thomas, what is the way? We don't understand where you're going or how we get there. And then uh, Philip also falls up with the question, just show us what the, who the father is and what the father looks like. And Jesus is saying to both of these questions, you can't get there from here right now. The, the father lives in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is not on this earth. So it, it's on the earth as far as Jesus Christ is on the earth, as far as the Holy Spirit's on the earth, the kingdom of heaven is here, but it's in a different reality. Um, and you can't just take a normal road to get there. You have to take Jesus Christ to get there. And that's through death and through attaching on to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's not explaining all these things right now, but he's trying to explain a different world that exists parallel to our earthly world here and that he's going to it and we can get to it through him. And this is the same, and, but Jesus still is kind of unique and different. And this is the role Israel was supposed to play in the Old Testament as well. You can get to the Father. The Father's kingdom is different than ours. His presence is in the temple. His presence is at the Ark of the Covenant. His presence is within the people Israel. But you can have a relationship with God and pray to God and understand God through this experience. And the Psalms are like that as well. The Psalms are language that we can use to process our human actions to understand how they relate to God and how to use them with God. So I want to go a little bit more into 33. It starts out, shout for joy, all you just. And then it tells us to, after it tells us to shout for joy, then it says praise is right or fitting for the honest. So right off the bat, I want to go into these two verses. Shout for joy, all you just is, it's an invoking an emotion right away. Uh, if you are just, you should be shouting for joy because we're dealing with a God who's just. And it's also uh, different if we think our religion is supposed to make us completely stoic and not involved with our emotions. The Psalms give us permission to acknowledge every single one of our emotions and also to carry us into different emotions we might not be feeling or also to experience an emotion that other people are feeling. Just because we're not feeling them right now doesn't mean we can't try to explore it or try to get into a certain emotion with the Psalms. 
So right away, it's shout for joy. Get into this psalm, uh, all you who are just. Then it's talking about for the honest, praise is fitting or praise is easy. It, it's natural for the honest to praise God. And this is Psalm 33, which comes right after Psalm 32. And in the Psalm 32 is about being honest with God and about admitting your faults and your guilt to God and about God giving you mercy and you being able to experience that mercy. And so it's almost elaborating on the concept from the last Psalm, if you're honest with God, God is going to continue to give you his mercy. And because you're honest with him, even though you're not perfect, it is easy for you to praise or it's fitting for you to praise because you naturally fall into this relationship with God. Shout for joy, you just. It is fitting for the honest to praise God. Then it goes into music. And it says, play him a song on the harp on the ten-stringed lyre or the ten-stringed harp and the lyre. One or the other, the exact same thing, so it doesn't matter. And it's invoking not only our emotions, but our ability to change our emotions or affect our emotions. And that God gives us something bigger and stronger than just words and cerebral understanding. He gives us this ability to put these understandings to music to kind of transcend basic concepts. That's why we, we sing the Psalms during Mass and we have music during Mass as well. Uh, we're lucky enough to have music every single day right now. And that is done during the liturgy. Again, music is something you can do outside of the liturgy, but it's also something you do inside the liturgy because it's pulling our humanity into this relationship with God. And then it's informing us when we're outside of the liturgy, just like the cry of victory that the Israelites do. It changes. It comes into the liturgy. It goes out of the liturgy. And it's, it's cycling us to this relationship with God and to this relationship with the earth. Uh, the psalm then talks about the cry of victory. Then the psalm starts to go into these huge distinctions between how awesome and amazing God is and how limited and powerless kind of we are. So again, it's putting Israel as the center uh, and, and bridge between the earth and heaven. And so it talks about princes who have these plots or ideas or plans and people that trust in their armies and people that trust uh, armies that trust in their horses and their weapons and how kind of this militaristic vision gives us temporary security but it's nothing at all in comparison to the power of God and God's plans that God has dominion over everything that exists and that Israel has a special place in being his people and everybody else can have a special place with God through Israel but that God has designed it and God has designed how this is happening. On Friday, we talked about Psalm number two, and it goes as far as to say God laughs at the plans of uh, those who try to thwart Israel or destroy Israel. So we think about, uh, this doesn't, so this is a God who protects us, a God who's all-powerful, a God who's providential, and we can enter into this providence. This doesn't mean that nothing bad happens to anybody who's in communion with God. And we see that with Israel too. Israel's his chosen country and Israel sins and also bad things happen to Israel and Israel gets beat up a lot. And Israel's not even the biggest world power. Uh, but he contrasts the world power to Israel. So Israel comes out of Egypt. Egypt was more powerful than Israel, but God 
is more powerful than Egypt and allows Israel to escape. And then all these other world powers kind of are around Israel, one after the other. After Egypt, there's Assyria, and Assyria destroys the northern kingdom, but Israel survives it. And then there's Babylon, and Babylon exiles the Israelites, but they get released. Then there's Persia, and then there is Greece and the great Greek empire, and then there's the Roman empire, all this through Jewish history until Jesus Christ comes. And there's this concept that great huge empire after great huge empire has these plans and designs and they're impressive and scary immediately but when you rewind through Israel's history little tiny Israel is still there and these great empires don't exist and we can dig up we can go on an archaeological dig and see things from the Babylonian empire but we can't experience the Babylonian empire because it's gone because because God laughs at power that's not connected directly to him so on this Sunday more encouragement right now, kind of going through some of the Psalms doing daily Mass, encouragement to kind of acknowledge our humanity, acknowledge things we do on a purely human level, um, and then also acknowledge our prayer life. And we can use the Psalms in our prayer life, and we can start to memorize words in Psalms, and then we can bring them into our everyday life, allow the words that we use from the Psalms and from our prayers in our everyday life to take on new meaning through our emotions, and bring them back into our prayer life and keep cycling and keeping these two, two worlds kind of intersecting and forming one another and ultimately so both worlds can give glory to God. I believe in one God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, who is crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Trusting in the Lord, who promised that he would prepare a place in his father's home for all his disciples. We bring our prayers before God. Please respond, Lord, hear our prayer. For the church, that we may find ways to both preach the word and serve our neighbor, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For elected leaders, that they may serve with humility all the people in their care, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. For an end to gun violence in our communities 
and in our nation. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who face economic uncertainty because of the pandemic, may God graciously look upon their needs and bring them relief and peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For mothers, grandmothers, godmothers, and expectant mothers, that they may know the value of their nurturing presence in the love of their families. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all our personal intentions held in the silence of our hearts and those written in the prayer intention journal, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for today's mass intention, for the people of the parish, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. God of all, you sent your only son to a sinful people, and he shows us the way back to you. Help us always to keep his way firmly in our sights as we make these prayers to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father may the Lord accept this sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church O God who by the wonderful exchange effected in this sacrifice have made us partakers of the one supreme Godhead grant we pray that as we have come to know your truth we may make it ours by a worthy way of life through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation at all times 
to acclaim you, O Lord. But on in this time above all to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. For he is the true Lamb who has taken away the sins of the world. By dying he has destroyed our death and by rising restored our life. Therefore overcome with paschal joy Every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Holy, 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 indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more, giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which we poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death, resurrection we offer you lord the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of christ we may be gathered into one by the holy spirit remember lord your church spread throughout the world 
and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Ronald, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Savior's command informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am I not worthy, worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Let us pray. Graciously be present to your people, we pray, O Lord, and lead those you have imbued with heavenly mysteries to pass from former ways to newness of life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. One announcement, uh, happy Mother's Day and for those families that can't be together um, thinking specifically of Josh, Drew, and Ryan who don't get to be with mom today sorry uh, for real, a heartfelt sorry for all those families that don't get to be with their moms or don't get to be with their children uh, for you mothers uh, we're in communion with those who get frustrated with that a lot who don't get to see their family regularly uh, or whose children or mother has uh, passed before them onto the next world through Jesus Christ. So uh, take this chance of, of heartache of not being able to be together and, and put yourself in communion with, with those who have to struggle with that a lot. Um, I also ask God to give everyone grace uh, to have tight communion with their 
with their mothers, living or deceased, and any healing uh, that needs to exist in that relationship, and also incredible thanksgiving for that relationship. I'm going to say a blessing just for the mothers. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. Father, we ask you to send your grace upon all mothers. Continue to bless them with the many spiritual gifts you've given them. Continue to bless them especially with patience, loving endurance, and courage and strength. Also bless them with a joyful heart that they may continue to enjoy the great gifts you have given them in their children. And I ask God to bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thank you.